Hello, everybody. This is Rob Fredette with the podcast HodgePodge, and I'm going in a different direction tonight. I'm looking forward to this talk. I have Jeremy Bryant on from the podcast Paranormal, The New Normal, and his podcast is a uh, very popular podcast, and I'm looking forward to learning some new things about what it's all about, and uh, I read things, and I listen to things, and I watch things, so I'm going to talk to an expert tonight on the paranormal, and uh, Jeremy, welcome to my podcast. I really appreciate you jumping on here tonight. My pleasure, Rob, and I mean... Very popular and expert. You're flattering me here tonight. Jeez, <laughs> love it. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So uh, talk about your podcast, uh, Paranormal, The New Normal. What do you cover? Uh, I've listened to quite a few episodes. Uh, you go in a lot of different directions, and it's very – you learn a lot. And uh, talk about it, if you would, please. Sure. I mean, Paranormal, The New Normal, it was kind of a – just to start a podcast of my own was – I was I started off on another podcast with a group, and – to be, they, they everybody said you have a great, you have a great podcast voice, you have opinions, you need to have your own show. I said, okay, what am I going to do? What do I love talking about? <laughs> and I love talking about paranormal, but very few people talk about it with. I mean, there's just, it's not something you can go up to like a group of people at work and start talking about because there's some of you <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? So I start. I wanted to start a paranormal podcast, but I wanted to be about the guest. I wanted to be about their experiences and their. Pit, pass down the spiritual paranormal supernatural life and said you know what paranormal is slowly becoming the new normal more and more people are getting into it there's more and more coverage of it in the media in television books everything there in every form of media there's more and more paranormal every year and i was like all right paranormal's new normal that's a good name i'll take it <laughs> so i just started off talking to a friend the first episode from from the podcast i was on and uh-huh. From there, I started finding mostly paranormal investigators to talk to in the beginning. But slowly, as I found more ways to get guests, I started branching out into things I never thought I really would cover. Mediums and psychics and even science. Like, just, I mean, usually a little bit of fringe science, but scientists. I mean, I never thought I'd be talking to scientists on a podcast. Never thought it would be my thing I could carry a conversation with. But turns out... I can carry a conversation with anybody about anything, basically. It just has to be interesting enough. And with this with paranormal topic, it always is interesting. So I now I'm 200 episodes deep almost and just keep going and keep finding more, more and more interesting people to talk about in that line of life. That is, that is, that is great. And uh, I looked up the uh, definition of paranormal just before we got on. Denoting events or phenomenon such as telekinesis or clairvoyance that are the scope of normal scientific understanding so um yeah you said uh earlier that you are able to see it now it's like mainstream now you hear it on the radio you see it on tv you see shows ghost hunters you see other things about ufos now so what are some of the things as far as like the paranormal like ghosts okay i think there is something out there as far as a presence of somebody or something uh what are your what's your take on that now are we talking the presence of multiple spirits are we talking the presence of uh some big thing in the sky that some people like to call god well i'm talking about just like haunted areas yeah so you're talking things like things from the past like alcatraz or salem mass where the salem witches are or cemeteries and other uh eerie buildings i guess you could say there's like the buildings that you see that look eerie and they've been condemned for years and then all of a sudden you see, you look it up on the internet, you'll see TV shows on ghost hunters going into these places that are totally like desolate and they, they, in the middle of the night and they find, they find, you know, something on the video and they freak out. Well, I am personally not a fan of a lot of the ghost hunting shows because they are, a lot of them seem to be very scripted and fake. <laughs> and I mean, Zach Baggins right there, but um, I personally, I mean, one, I live in a haunted house, so I could tell you that ghosts are 100% freaking real. I, ex- My family and I experience it every day of our lives, to some degree. And, I mean, I've talked to enough people who communicate with spirits that there's no way I could not believe spirits exist. And, I mean, really, as Einstein said, energy doesn't just get destroyed. It has to exist somewhere. So, when a person dies, that energy has to go somewhere. So, 
why not why not turn to a spirit in some cases yeah and uh when i was looking right before we got on i was looking at uh the up in new england you're on uh, what part of massachusetts are you in i am up in north central massachusetts uh worcester county got you i grew up in uh north andover in the merrimack valley just south of uh actually called the North Shore, just south of the, the New Hampshire border. So I uh, went to Worcester many times to go see concerts back in the day at the old Worcester Centrum. I don't even know what it's called now, but I remember making that 51-mile trek to and from to go see concerts there. But uh, what about the, in, like, Massachusetts? Are there things in Massachusetts that are considered out of the realm haunted or, or you know, that you would uh, off the top of your head? Oh, Lord. I mean, Massachusetts, <laughs> since it's one of the oldest – states in the in the country is very haunted i mean the revolutionary war battlefields are still haunted from stories i've heard salem like you said is supposedly you can still tap into energy there if you have the ability to and i mean let's not forget the miss bridgewater triangle down the south shore of, of, of massachusetts my wife is actually from there and that area is believed to be highly haunted with a lot of different phenomena not just ghosts and spirits but i mean Hodgewalkies, Bigfoot, giant snakes, portals to other dimensions. I mean, the history of the Bridgewater Triangle is a conversation that could take four or five <laughs> hours easy if you're going to cover every aspect of it. I mean, Massachusetts is a very, very old. It has been, well, okay, I should say, I shouldn't, I mean, all lands old, but Massachusetts has been residing for a long time at this point. And there's been a lot of history here, and history tends to leave marks in the spiritual world. I agree. The with errors of humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, the errors, I mean, the, the errors of humans in the past seem to leave reside, just residing motions is the best way to put it, like residing emotions in places. And even if there's not physical haunting, there still can be an emotional haunting. Uh, I, I would think uh, Salem must have, Salem Mass must, must have uh, night tours or things of that nature for haunted areas in Salem, Mass. It's a beautiful city, but uh, yeah, obviously known for the Salem Witch Trials. And uh, last year I went to uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas with my wife. We went up there Memorial Day weekend, and uh, there's a building there on the top of the hill overlooking Hot Springs, and it's the Army-Navy Hospital, and it's the most eeriest building I've ever seen. I took pictures of it. It's condemned at this point. And uh, I went on looking online, and it is a uh, it is said to uh, – have some hauntings in there as well. So as far as like ghosts or haunt spirits or uh, presence, what actually have you ever talked to anybody who's actually spoken to or had been in the presence of a spirit or ghost? Well, multiple clairvoyants I've spoken to actually on my show, they have a whatever you want to call it. I mean, they, they call it their guardian, their guardian angels. They call it their guides, their spirit guide. I mean, they call it a lot of different names, but a lot, a lot of them have had it standing right next to them while they're doing the show, according to what they're telling me. And they, and I've had their, I've had their guides speak with spirits around me when I'm podcasting. Cause apparently when I do my paranormal podcast, it's a anchor for the spirits of my house to be around me normally, which I always, I always got really cold doing it. So I never really like put two and two together for a while. And then I just, one day, like I just, one medium just started talking to me about the different spirits around me and all people I knew and things that she couldn't have known about me because you can't even Google this information about me. So, <laughs> I mean, my, 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 some of these relatives and friends, like they're not, they weren't internet people. They were never on the internet like mass. And even if they were, none of their names are the same as mine. So, you couldn't relate the two. You couldn't. She couldn't have pre-researched and then just known these things. It's impossible. What is the one big story that you have heard that really like wowed you of all the guests you've had on your podcast? As far as spirits go, um, oof, that's a, talk about a tough question. That's I've heard a lot of them. I mean, we can come I mean, back to that if you want. You can think about that. That's no worries. Um, but uh, yeah, it is. Um, it's really weird because in, in the subdivision I live here in Tennessee, there is a cemetery actually dead center in the middle of our subdivision of 200 houses. And uh, I did some looking up the other day. This was a, a parcel of land that was, you know, desolate. It was just overgrown for hundreds of years. And in the late 90s, it was sold. 
and there was talk of a cemetery in the middle, in the brush of this uh, subdivision that was being built where I live now. And there is a cemetery from the 1700s and 1800s. And if I were to walk from my backyard, it's 30, it's probably a 30, 45 second walk. I wonder sometimes if there are some spirits in my house because uh, sometimes some funny things happen. And I'm not talking, I'm not one to talk about this, but this is uh, sometimes weird stuff happens. <laughs> well, I mean, it's highly possible. And from what I've, from what I've been told, spirits don't need to necessarily haunt one place that's that's myth that's what movies have done to our beliefs but spirits can just be wandering by and either be a attracted to spirits that already are in your house and they just can sense it so they come in too to see what's going on or b they just seems like a nice place to rest for a little while so they go into your house just to kind of you know take a pit stop for a little while before they go wherever (laughs) they want to go well there's been times where uh I've gotten out of the shower and the faucet's on in the sink. And I'm like, I didn't turn the faucet on. It's like, I did not turn that faucet on. I know I didn't. So guardian angels, how would you describe what guardian angels are? Because have you ever had an instance where a guardian angel has uh, been in your presence? Not that I could particularly sense. I mean, I have been told at this point that I am starting a spiritual awakening towards having some empathic abilities. But because I can sense things from what I experience, but I can't really see things like a clairvoyant could. I can't see anything. I could just kind of sense when things are nearby. I get certain feelings in my in my body, whether it be a tingling in the middle of my brain, basically, or, you know, the obvious temperature drop is usually a good sign. But mm-hmm. so, I mean, I but guardian angels, I've had a lot, a lot of people tell me about guardian angels and spirit guides and. To me, they're kind of one and the same. I think angel is just a term people use because we were all brought up religious in the ages we were brought up in, the different eras. And, I mean, I whether angels and demons are real, that's a whole other conversation I don't know if you wanted to get into. But <laughs> I believe there's something – I believe there are protective beings out there that look out for humans, whether they're just – regular spirits who that's just what they want to do when they pass is they want to just look out for certain people or I mean I also heard that they can be like your relative that passed that they want to be your protector they want to stick by your side and make sure nothing really bad happens to you if they can stop it yeah one of the most miraculous one of the most miraculous stories I heard of my show an author I can't remember her name for the life of me I'm sorry I can't remember your name you wrote a book about why tigers like bubble bass it's a funny title but it's an interesting book and she was pregnant, actually, in, in Massachusetts. She lived in Massachusetts at the time. She was pregnant, walking out to her car in the winter. She slipped on a piece of ice and was about to fall on her stomach. And literally, she said it was like time froze. And the next, and she was able to like get her footing because it seemed like time froze and she had all the time in the world to do it. And then once she got her footing, it seemed like everything just went back to normal, like here cars speeding by and whatnot on the road nearby. So, I mean, that to me is one of the most definitive experiences I've heard about guardian angels. Hmm. They literally were protecting an unborn life at that point. Interesting. Cause uh, I've had one or two instances where I've had it uh, back in 2005. I thought I was having a heart attack and uh, my wife works at a hospital and I called her and I said, you know, I think something's wrong. Something's not right with me. So I called her and I said, I'm, I'm on my way. I drove to the hospital, which was probably crazy in of itself. Well, over the years, I've gone to have lunch with her, and there's a big, big four or five level car garage there, and I always park on the fourth or fifth level. So I'm driving to the hospital. I pull in. Never, ever in all the times that I drove, there was a parking space. The first parking space on the first level was open, and I parked my car there. And I don't know if that was by chance or a guardian angel, but – Somehow that parking space was left open for me so I could get out of my car and not walk down four levels versus just walking straight to the uh, the cardiac unit. Found that to be rather strange after I went through the ordeal. Um, ended up being a heart spasm. But uh, I think that guardian angel thing takes place with, um, you know, going to, uh, like, if, there's, if you're in danger or there's something... Uh, an emergency, something happens where something is there for you just to park in there, make it less stressful. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? I don't know if I would actually 
call that a guardian angel experience as much as I would just say I, I'm a huge believer in fate personally. I believe everything everything that happens to us is predetermined to happen. I mean, we may be able to change some minor details here and there, but anything somewhat even slightly major to us has been predetermined. It's going to happen whether you want to or not, whether you can stop it or not. It's going to happen. So I think certain times in life, maybe things are made to be a little easier for us. I mean, it kind of can bring us into the whole matrix simulation theory as well, but I don't know. I mean, it depends which way you subscribe on that theory, but I believe in fate. I mean, the ancient Greeks, the ancient Romans believed in fate. They would talk to oracles who could predict the future, supposedly. So, I mean, my, one of my favorite images is like from the Disney Hercules movie in the 90s of the of the oracles, like actually trying to cut like the threads of people to kill them. And like to me, that's what fate is. It's a thread that we all have to follow. Sometimes maybe a little piece of that thread will get ripped off if we do one little thing different. But mm-hmm. most of the time, you can't change it. You're just going to keep going down it until you get to the end where it gets snipped off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess it's uh people's perception of the guardian angel. I think, you know, just, it's just, yeah, it could have been fate that day, but I found that odd that I uh, used to go to have lunch with my wife many times uh, and always never got a parking space on that first spot. But one of the things I wanted to talk about was uh Bigfoot. What are your thoughts on the Bigfoot? Uh, you know, hundreds of years we've been, hearing about it the possible sightings you know years ago there's a supposed photograph from the 70s and uh, I don't know if you remember the show in search of with Leonard Nimoy they have an episode of Bigfoot I did watch and uh, that was 45 years ago and uh, they had experts on there saying that the photo wasn't doctored what's your thoughts on uh, the Bigfoot in the northwest oh I mean Bigfoot is okay well Bigfoot is one of the I've been into Bigfoot since I was in elementary school so Bigfoot is one of those things that I highly highly believe in now i could debate the different reasons it exists for (laughs) all day but our i mean not not even really reasons the different way exists like a million different ways but i mean bigfoot to me definitely exists and it's not just in the northwest united states bigfoot is literally a worldwide phenomena they don't call it bigfoot in other parts of the world but there's other names for it the yowie the the yeti or the term i hate the abominable snowman but i mean there's Every country in the world has some kind of Bigfoot type of creature they see. The only place it's called Sasquatch or Bigfoot is the UK and United States and Canada. But as far I mean, the Patterson Gimlin film in the, I want to say it was 60s, not 70s, but uh, the Patterson Gimlin film, one of the most highly debated things in Paranormal, I believe it's real because they, yes, one of them said, one of the four people involved said it was fake at one point. But I think he was just sick of being questioned about it, and he wanted to get out of it. <laughs> everybody, everybody else in it has always said it was true. And movie, like special effects and costume designers from movies in the modern age have watched that video and have straight up said, we don't have the technology to make something look that real now. How could they make something that real back then? It would be literally impossible a fake gorilla suit or fake monkey suit from the sixties <laughs> would look hard. It would look horrible. It would yeah. look like a old, it would look like Stu Pickles dressed as one on Rugrats back in the nineties. Like that's what it would look like. It wouldn't, you can literally see, and it's a female, female Sasquatch in that video. And you could see the muscles in her abs and stomach move when she walks. You couldn't fake that detail in a video in the sixties, seventies. I mean, there's no way. Mm-hmm. It's just Im- literally impossible to fake it. It's just so much. I mean, I keep <laughs> before I keep saying it. I mean, like the government admit UFOs are real. The next pandemic, the government's admit big admit Bigfoot's real. What it, it, when they need that, sca- when they need a scapegoat, that's what they're going to say. Is that the video that you saw? Is that the video where it's walking and it like looks at the yeah. camera? Yeah, it, it, it's walking. They were they were filming along a creek bed. And they actually, it's funny because they actually were going out there to make like a short movie as with a fake Bigfoot suit. And there's even pictures of them like next to the, to the monkey suit they were going to use. And it looks nothing close to that. It looks like a gorilla you see at a zoo. That video, that Bigfoot's happened to walk by at that time. I forget what they named her, but that, I want to say Lucy, but I could be wrong. But that Bigfoot's happened to walk by at that time and they caught it on camera. And there have been other 
there's been a lot of pictures set in the in the last 10 years. There's been a lot of videos in the last 10 years of things that can't quite be explained. Yes, I'm not saying I'm not saying every picture, every video that's put out there on YouTube or TikTok or Facebook is going to be real. Mm-hmm. No, there's there's plenty of ignorant people out there who just want to spend their time being trolls and spamming people with fake <laughs> things. I know that I'm not a fool, but there's enough pictures out there where I can. And it's the pictures where like they say like they circle something in the bushes and you can't really tell what it is. But I mean, I've studied some of them for hours and I can kind of start to see the details and looking at it and I'm like. All right, you know, and plus I've I've talked to enough people who look for for a living. I mean, I talked to Seth Breedlove, uh, Reverend. Oh, I'm sorry, not Seth Breedlove. I think I haven't got him on yet. I'm trying on that one still, but I worked with someone he work someone he works with in Small Town Monsters, Reverend Mark Matsky. Mm-hmm. Small Town Monsters is a video production company that that does paranormal documentaries, and they've done four or five Bigfoot ones now, and they had a mini series on their YouTube channel all about looking for Bigfoot evidence all, all around the United States and the world. And they literally went to the Olympic project in Washington and Washington, the state not Washington DC, but the Olympic project in Washington is a natural, a national preserve area. Mm-hmm. And they were given special permission to go in to film this documentary. And there literally is these giant circular, circular nests on the ground that most people who are into the paranormal believe Sasquatch, reside in these nests when they're in one area and there was rows of them. And I mean, it's, it's, it's Washington. So it's already a highly known area for Sasquatch. And the fact that why does the government have this area cordoned off so people can't go there? <laughs> what, are, what are they doing there? Are they studying Sasquatch or, I mean, is that because we don't, I mean, if anybody thinks the government doesn't know that has Sasquatch exist and that they haven't, like does some kind of experimentation with it before then i'm sorry you're out of your mind the government definitely knows they exist and the government has had them there's a famous story i could not tell you where they originally came from but during a forest fire somewhere out in i think the midwest this ambulance took away because during the forest fire like firefighters are trying to put it out and all of a sudden this burnt up looking creature runs out of the woods and just collapses in the road they they you know, hosed it off, mm-hmm. and they let an ambulance take it. It's commonly believed now it was a Sasquatch that was caught in the forest fire and was basically running for its life at that point. And the ambulance took it. The drivers of that ambulance and that ambulance were never seen again because it's highly believed that shortly down the road, a black car pulled up, stopped them, and they took it. They took the proof of it. They took the evidence. They took the body and whatever the government does with things. Huh. Interesting. Because, uh, I looked at the, looking at here. It's uh, considered six to nine feet, or it could be as tall as ten to fifteen feet tall. And that picture you're referring to, that looks like a tall, tall Bigfoot in that picture from 1967 from the Patterson Gimlin. Sixty-eight. It was sixty-eight. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody. Uh, I, oh no! It was, it was sixty-seven. That's right. I was I was going to say sixty-eight, but I could have been a year off easily. That's all right. And then. Uh, Somebody said the Michael Rugg, the owner of the Bigfoot Discovery Museum, claims to have smelled Bigfoot, stating, imagine a skunk that had rolled in dead animals and it hung around the garbage pits. <laughs> Man. Well, there's a, there's a reason they call it the skunk ape in the South. <laughs> wow, that is, uh, that's unbelievable. But yeah, how come, you know, how come we haven't seen, any, with all the technology, how come we haven't seen any? I mean, I think there is something to it, but how come with all the technology we have, we can't seem to grasp it right now? Well, I mean, okay, well, first thing is there have been plenty of um, hunting video, mm-hmm. like hunter cameras that have caught images of Bigfoot and other phenomenon. That Wow. As soon as these people put this footage out, though, it kind of disappears fast, and that's the scary part. But, and I mean, <laughs> the other reason for that, that most people believe is this, and this kind of goes into what Bigfoot is. A lot of people believe that Bigfoot is either extraterrestrial nature or ultra-terrestrial nature, which ultra-terrestrial meaning interdimensional. And that's part of the reason why people think that we can't catch it on camera or that it's a blurry picture or blurry video always, because if they are either extraterrestrial, they would definitely have technology more advanced than us or be more advanced in their in 
everything than us. If physically, mentally, they'd be more advanced than us if they were extraterrestrial, most likely. And they came here somehow. And ultra-terrestrial, I mean, same thing. If they're from another dimension, who knows what that dimension has? Who knows what abilities they may have because they're from a different dimension? So that's why it's believed that when they're seen, they can make they can make electronics kind of malfunction the same way that, oh, what? UFOs and extraterrestrials are, are known to do. Hmm. Well, I, that's just, it's fascinating. So, it's fascinating. Just, you know, this, the, like the Loch Ness monster and Bigfoot. It's the old in search of episode from like 1975 or 76 that Leonard Nimoy used to it was a very, uh, very, uh, I watched it last week and, uh, it brought back memories when I was a kid watching that show. Um, that vid- that show was pretty much, you know, in accordance that there was Bigfoot back then. And like you said, I mean, how could anybody uh, alter film or make a costume like that? And when, when it was walking, you know, like a human being and uh, the, I mean, and think about it, this is 67. We didn't even go to the moon yet. I don't right. think that's my date. That's my dates are off. And I mean, and that's, if we even went to the moon, that's debatable, but I can argue both sides of that story very well, but I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, it's just even more evidence. And I mean, I don't know if you ever heard of it, but the, I just did a guest spot on stupid history minute podcast about this a couple weeks ago, the battle of Ape Canyon in the 1800s. Some, they were either lumberjacks or gold miners, some, some group of pioneers went out to, uh, I don't remember exactly where it was, but it was somewhere out in the Midwest when we were still it's when we were still trying to tame the wild west and <clears throat> the they went out there and they shot this creature dead because they had guns of course because you know 1800s so they shot this creature dead that came that they found and then that night they're staying in this little shack of a building uh and all of a sudden they hear things start hitting the side of the building and the roof and they look out and they see these monkey like ape-like creatures throwing rocks and sticks and other things at the house they're staying in. So basically it became a night of them firing their guns out the windows, trying to hit these things. They're throwing rocks at them. And I mean, the next morning, next morning, they, they found rocks. They found sticks, huge branches all around the house and like dents all around the house. Cause it's just a wood shack. And, but there was, there was footprints, but there was no sign of any creatures. And the dead creature they shot was gone. So, I mean, it's it's called the Battle of Ape Canyon. If anybody wants to look it up, it's a famous Bigfoot legend at this point, and it's one of the first recorded incidences of Bigfoot. Though it is believed that Lewis and Clark had written something about Bigfoot too, but the government back then even uh, made them take it out. I believe there are some pages found that uh, Clark wrote originally that like somebody collected and found these pages and found this like passage about it. Interesting, because uh, you had mentioned about the miners. That was uh, the first part of the In Search of episode uh, that I watched. There were miners, and the <laughs> the sound effects of the uh, Bigfoot that they used for the show, they were firing their their shotguns. Uh, I wonder if that was the same one or not, but they, they were miners. And, it uh, had to be. It had to be. And anybody better doing In Search of than Leonard Nimoy doing that. I mean, have you ever seen any of those oh. episodes? Oh, oh God, yes! I I used to love that show when I, when it was in reruns when I was a kid in the nineties. But <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, yeah, you gotta love it. Leonard Nimoy was one generation of this, and then Dan Aykroyd became the next generation of it. And Dan Aykroyd was actually shooting a documentary about an alien experience he had, a UFO experience he had. He went out for a cigarette, and there was two men in black suits standing outside a black sedan waiting for him. And that documentary never got released. Huh. Man, oh man! Well, you know, you're speaking about the '90s. Do you remember that Fox show that came out? They showed the the beings, the aliens. Remember? I don't know if they showed autopsy. Uh, yes, uh, alien autopsy. I actually one of my episodes a while back. Uh, I want to say Bert something or Bart Bert something. Um, I interviewed someone who knew about that, who was involved with it, who was in the government at that time. And he went into full detail about the behind the alien autopsy. It was a very interesting episode. And I've actually had a lot of people coming out of the woodwork that are trying to say that he's lying, that he's a known liar and everything. And I mean, I judge my guests by the look by the look in their eyes when they tell me things. And 
so far, I think there's only one or two that I won't say names, but there's only one or two that I don't think were fully telling me the truth. All the other ones seem to at least believe they're telling me the truth. I remember they hyped that show uh, back in the 90s. I forget, 95, 96, 97. They hyped it and hyped it and hyped it. It was uh, all black and white video, grainy from what I remember. I'll have to go back yep. and watch that. But it just came to mind when you were talking about uh, In Search of, yeah, Leonard Nimoy, the way he used to narrate those shows was impeccable. Just um, well, the delivery. He's got, he's got the – him and Shatner, they got the voices for it. And Shatner did a – I mean, Shatner did a show like that too for a while. Did he really? Because I know you used to do Rescue think, Nine, your Rescue Nine One One in the nineties, early nineties, late eighties. I know he did that, but that's interesting that he did that as well. That's incredible. That's when you look back. I, I mean, that was television back then. I think he's done a couple uh, different series about extraterrestrials. Because I think him being a, you know, Captain Kirk, they had to kind of, they kind of wanted him to do it just because of that, because they knew it would get watches and they knew it would. People be like, "Oh, well, if he's talking about aliens, then I mean, because he's a <laughs> he he was on a show about aliens." <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner. So, what other uh, what other items do you cover on your podcast uh, that you know we haven't talked about? Um, it's really interesting. Uh, we have over two hundred episodes. You've had some great guests on your episode, and you you can hear other shows on radio. You see things on TV. So, what other uh, what other topics do you cover on your podcast? Oh, it's always about what the guest wants to talk about more than anything, because it's usually whatever they're specializing in. But so, I mean, a lot of talks of mediums and psychics, that's kind of been my bread and butter for the show, because that's just there's a lot of them out there. There's a lot of people that have these abilities that had their awakenings in the last 20 years, and they want to talk about it. They want to spread the knowledge about this phenomenon that existed. A lot of people didn't believe existed for a long time or only existed in fairy tales and legends and books and movies for a long time. But, I mean, one of my favorite topics, which I only really had one or two episodes about, because it's hard to find guests who were willing to talk about this, that they had experiences, and that's dogmen. Which, for those for those who don't know, because a lot of people don't know, imagine, well, dogmen are the basis for what we know as werewolf legend. Mm-hmm. Dogmen are werewolves, but they don't turn back to human ever. They are just, they're like Bigfoot, but they're dogmen they're big dogs that can walk on two legs or four legs depending on how they feel like going at that time and they've been seen in both they've they there's two different types people believe there's two different species kind of one's only attacks when you're in its territory because it's a territorial like a dog and the other one is just a really aggressive creature who will attack anybody it sees or anything it sees i mean dogmen have been responsible for Pet dogs going missing, pet cats going missing, dogmen have been seen all over the world, really. I mean, it's a phenomenon that's as big as Bigfoot, but just not as well talked about because people didn't talk about it for a long time. Linda Godfrey was one of the first really big cryptozoologists to focus on it. She focused on the Beast of Bray Road mainly, which is a famous case of it from the 60s to this day uh, in Wisconsin, the Beast of Bray Road. And there's in Wisconsin, there's also the Beast of the Land Between the Lakes, which is a island between two in the middle of a lake, basically between two rivers. And it, this I've, I've had people from the NADP, the North American Dogman Patrol, actually on my show talking about their trips to the Land Between the Lake. And it's funny because the first half of the island is all like any other woods. It's full of birds and you see roadkill every once in a while. You go to the second half of the island. You hear nothing. You hear no wild animals. You see no roadkill on the side of the road. It is just a desolate, desolate place. And you are they said they were automatically creeped out just being there. And every and they said every time you hear a twig snap or anything, you just jump out of your skin because you know what's supposed to live there. But you, if you see a dog, man, usually you're you're lucky if you make it out to tell about it. But they've been around forever. I mean. I like to relate them back to Anubis, like the Egyptian god. Like, I actually had a guest who was in the army, and one of his one of his uh, fellow soldiers in his troop saw a statue of Anubis in Egypt and freaked out and like literally lost it. And that once they calmed him down, they're like, "What? What happened? Why? Why are you acting like this?" And mm-hmm. he said, "That he like, what's that?" And pointing at the statue, and they're like, "That's Anubis, an, an ancient Egyptian god." He's like, I saw that creature in my backyard when I was a kid multiple times. 
which it turns out he was from New Orleans originally, or somewhere in Louisiana, which that's Rougarou territory, which is another name for dogmen that the French Cajun had for it. So, I mean, this, the story of werewolves came from dogmen, and mm-hmm. that's always been one of my paranormal topics since I first started hearing about it about a decade ago, because it's just, it's interesting, because it's, I mean, man's best friend, but it's not man's best friend. It's a creature that is intelligent and can run on four legs or two legs, and that's the scary part. Because imagine <laughs> if you see a wild, what you think is a wild dog come up to you or like a lost dog come up to you and you start petting it yeah. and all of a sudden it stands up on two legs. I'd probably pass out. <laughs> That's wild. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say, like, I mean, uh, Small Town Monsters has also done a few movies on Dogman as well that are very informing and very interesting. I mean, a lot of history in those, a lot of history in those documentaries. Well, you know, I'm looking, uh, we just talked about In Search Of, so I just decided just to pull it up just to see what they covered back, uh, Leonard Nimoy in that show. Uh, Voices, Strange Visitors, Ancient Aviators, The Bermuda Triangle. I remember that one. Bigfoot was their fifth episode. Mm-hmm. Killer Bees, Earthquakes, The Mummy's Curse, Martians, Atlantis, Psychic Detectives, A Call from Space, uh, Dracula, Ghosts, Life After Death, Loch Ness Monster, UFOs, Voodoo, Inca Treasure, The Magic of Stonehenge. And uh, a lot of this stuff that was talked about back then is still talked about now, isn't it? Most of it. I mean, the Bermuda Triangle seems to have quieted down since I was a kid. Like, people are not talking about it as much as they did when I was a kid. Because, like, in the 90s, that every time I went to the store, like, on the National Enquirer, that'd be, like, every other month, that'd be the front cover. Like, oh, the Bermuda Triangle mystery. And... <laughs> I mean, it was so many cartoons played on it and whatnot when I was a kid. And it's just, it was a huge thing. And now I just, no one talks about it now. Like, I have not heard about it. Talk, no, no guest I don't think has ever brought the Bermuda Triangle to me. Atlantis, on the other hand, I've had two guests talk about Atlantis in depth. And one of the guests, an, an author, um, believes he found Atlantis with his partner. He believes him and his research partner found where the main city of Atlantis originally was, hmm. and it's not—it's not under—it's not, under, not underwater; it's under sand. It's in the middle of a North African desert. Wow, which would make would make ge- geographical sense because it is well believed by all the writings that Socrates and Ptolemy did about Atlantis, Atlantis was had many city-states. They conquered many nations, and they had many city-states all over the world, including North America, mm-hmm. or at least the coast of North America. But, um, well, not the coast, islands off North America. But So, yes, there may have been an island that sank, because, you know, things happen with earthquakes and whatnot, but the main city is in the middle of the desert, and from what I've been told. And I tend to think that this guy's logic was right on. I mean, there's I couldn't find flaws in what he was saying. I really couldn't. And... Hmm. They're just make it would make sense, and they they weren't all killed out because it sank. They were killed out because of war. Like eventually, the Greeks or the Egyptians were able to overcome them and just take them. So I don't I don't know. I mean, to me that kind of makes sense. And the other guests that had talked highly, highly. I mean, both guests talked about this to some degree, but the other one talked highly about how ancient aviators, as you just put it, or ancient aliens helped build Atlantis and helped make it, and they made human hybrids there, which would fall into what we call today starseeds. Looking at another episode, Dreams and Nightmares. Do you have any thoughts on that? Just about dreams and nightmares in general? or Yeah, just like, you know, <laughs> the, the unconscious, like, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll have nightmares, and what, why do nightmares happen, and then, You'll, you haven't seen somebody in 40 years and you have a dream about them. It's, it's like, how does that happen? That was part one of the In Search of episodes as well. The Money Pit Mystery, Lost Vikings, Sherlock Holmes, Indian Astronomers, Bermuda Triangle Pirates. So, I mean, if you, I mean, well, okay. Well, dreams and nightmares are naturally occurring, I believe, in some aspect at least, because, I mean, our brain does. We don't know what our brain can do fully even. That's just the truth of the matter. No, nobody knows what our brain will do at 100% capacity. So what our brain does while we're sleeping, who knows? I mean, we're unconscious. The unconscious mind is a powerful thing. 
Now, as far as the paranormal version of that goes, there is sleep paralysis where people wake up and they can't move their body at all. And they see a demon looking creature or some kind of monster looking creature in the corner of the room, or sometimes it's crawling over the, all over them and all over the bed and they can't move. They can't scream. They can't make a sound. And then eventually they snap out of it. There's also exploding head syndrome where people wake up and they hear like what basically sounds like an explosion in their head, but mm-hmm. nobody else in the house will hear it or nobody in this area will hear it. And then I've also, I've had, I had a guest, Vincent Field, who wrote a book about lucid dreaming and astral projection. That's actually the name of the book, I believe, unless I got those two backwards. But, um, and basically, I mean, astral projecting is just while you're sleeping, you can project your spirit into wherever you want to go. I mean, people, more people, more and more people are getting into that now, especially since COVID, because they had nothing else to do. So these classes are being offer, offered remotely online. They said, why the hell not? I got nothing else to do right now. And I mean, one of my co-hosts on my show, Global Strangeness, actually took classes on it. And she's actually pretty good at it, according to what she tells us. I mean, she can go find things towns away that are like her, she'll have her friend tell her like look for this item like she'll describe it in detail and the next morning she'll call her friend and be like it's in this room right next to this and she's like and it'll be correct i mean and there was even there was even a uh detective from brooklyn new york in her, in the class with her and he said that more and more cops are embracing this type of behavior or not behavior but embracing the practice of astral projection as a way to help solve crimes so, I mean, there's if if police are using it and using it willingly, not just, you know, hiring psychics off the book to tell them things, then there's got to be some merit to this. And lucid dreaming is a whole nother trip because I he I literally was told stories by Vincent about going to different dimensions while dreaming, which numbers vary. But I mean, I've heard there's 12. I heard there's 17 dimensions and I think one or two other numbers as well. But. And he would travel. He will travel to these different dimensions when he's sleeping. And some of them are peaceful dimensions with creatures that are friendly. And you just like you don't understand these creatures. You can't communicate with them, but you just get a good vibe from them. And they said there's some that are scary dimensions. And there's these creatures. Some of them huge. Some of them look strange. And they just don't give off good vibes. It gives off like a fighter, like a fight or fright kind, of, uh, flight or fight kind of uh, feeling mm-hmm. when you're there, and you just want to get out there as fast as possible. So, I mean, there's (laughs) the mind can do a lot of things when we're sleeping. And I highly believe that lucid dreaming and natural projection are possible because I've talked to enough people who have done it and enough people who have almost anybody I talk to anybody, almost anybody I talk to at least knows one person that can do it. That's the funny part. You know, you had mentioned something about uh, the the explosions or something when when sleeping. I've had that happen a couple of times. It's called exploding head syndrome. Yeah. And I wake up and it's like everything's normal and it's just like. It's like an explosion. Yeah, that's happened a couple times. Yeah, it's 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 a weird feeling. It like it wakes you up. Some people, yeah, some people some people believe that it might be like a foretelling that something bad might happen if you don't get up. Like that, you need to get up at that point because there's going to be something happening. You need to either take part in or see or hear. But other people just think it's some random thing our head does, and we can't explain why it does it yet. So uh, while we're talking about that, what are some of your favorite movies uh, that you like about the paranormal or think uh, movies that have come out over the last 40 years that, that you really like that you watch over and over again that you could talk to my audience about? Cause uh, I have my pick. What are some of yours? Ooh, ooh, ooh paranormal movies. See, it's funny. Cause or just any time on my show, I do. Mo- yeah. I mean, well on my show, it's funny. Cause I do, I do movie brackets on my show too. Like every Every couple months, because I usually want a couple months to watch the 30-something movies that are in the bracket if I haven't seen them all. But some, I mean, there's a lot lot of movies out there I love. I mean, extra space, extraterrestrial movies alone. Like, like there are so many I love. I mean, huge Star Wars nerd, uh, Star Trek. I'm a Trekkie to some degree, but not really a full-blown Trekkie. So, I mean, I love those aerospace movies because it's just good science fiction and it's like awesome extraterrestrial design. I mean, the amount of different extraterrestrials in those movies is so amazing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, on other ones, I mean, I like I like a lot of movies about where aliens come to Earth, whether it be to attack us or just for curiosity reasons. I mean, my, I just watched My Stepmother's an Alien from the 80s, and that's a, because we're actually, we're doing an <laughs> 80s aliens movie bracket uh, in a couple weeks. But 
just watched my stepmother's an alien, which was a really funny Dan Aykroyd movie and John Lovitz. Great movie. Um, Mac and me, which is a really cute kids movie. And actually in my, ver- in my opinion, it's the better version of ET, but <laughs> ET, 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 was really a ph- ET was a phenomenal movie. ET was the, it was the, that, the technology that they had in that movie. That was what? 41 years ago, 42 years ago was extraordinary. Uh, T and, uh, and Thomas who played, uh, yeah, yeah. Elliot in the movie, how he befriended him. I thought that was a, uh, phenomenal movie. And the, the ending was just absolutely Man. spectacular. See, Mac and Me is the same is it? concept, but but it's more of like a comedy in ways, and it's but I mean it's a it's a lot of the same concept. Alien comes to Earth by accident, gets it gets sucked into a into a space probe that we sent up, and basically its whole family does. And but the youngest one escapes, and a boy in a wheelchair happens to find it, and they become friends. And basically, it's all about trying to save the alien. It's to me, to me, it's basically a better version of ET. I mean, it's I haven't now I haven't watched ET in a long time, but it just and even when I was a kid, I wasn't a big fan of it. I don't know why. I mean, it's Spielberg. I should be. I did. They're just not. I mean, and I I love movies that take place in space. I mean, of course, the alien the alien movies are freaking incredible. Of mm-hmm. course, and I mean, I just I just watched a movie last night, Enemy Mine. It's from the late eighties, I believe. And it's about it. It's very Star Wars esque in the beginning, but it's about a human soldier in space who crash lands on an alien planet and has to. And he basically, it's him and this alien one, one member of the alien race they're fighting. Mm-hmm. And they become throughout the movie, they become like best friends. Like they learn each other's languages. Like it, to me, it's a. I was sitting there last night, like tell my wife, like it's such a great movie. I'm like, it basically has the message that no matter no matter what differences, like people should get like creatures should get along i mean even if you even if you don't speak the same language you have to learn to get along and so i mean and i mean but going outside the alien realm i mean the man who killed hitler and bigfoot is one of my favorite bigfoot movies and because it's just it's uh sam neil from like the ranch and all the other westerns he's been in with his famous mustache mm-hmm. but he's he plays this soldier and t- it's basically a back log story of like him killing Hitler in World War II. And then it's also a story about how they kind of like the government drafts him to go kill uh, a Bigfoot that's sick and dying mm-hmm. and they want to just get rid of it because there's a forest fire going on. So I, that movie is, it's a weird movie, but it's a great movie. So the movies in the 90s, Mars Attacks, Independence Day, Men in Black, those were three great movies that had their own niche in the 90s. And they kind of gave a different feel, a different look into aliens. Obviously, there were movies, and they had a lot of entertainment. But it was nice the way that uh, they had their niche in the 90s. Because in the 80s, you had E.T., and you had uh, late 70s, early 80s, uh, Close Encounters of a Third Kind. They kind of had comedy in those space movies in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, they also, I mean, in the the 80s and 90s, there's also more of like the horror alien movies too i mean uh communion fire in the sky which fire in the sky is the tale of travis walker i want to say travis walker i could be wrong about that last name but i mean it's based on his real encounter of the fourth kind and there's i mean there's a lot i mean in in the 80s too you had invader the remake of invader invaders from mars which i that's one of my favorite alien movies now i just watched it a month ago or so it's it's such a well done movie for the 80s and the the creature design is so. I mean, it has to be. That's the thing with alien movies. It has to be a really good design for the creature. I don't want like the blob. I hate the blob because it's the laziest design for extraterrestrial creature ever. Uh, and then War of the Worlds and uh, Gener- what was the mm-hmm. one with Brad Pitt in? And I can't. Remember, my mind has gone blank. Generation War Z. The World War movie? Z. Yeah, World War Z. What it was? I don't know what the heck I was thinking. Yeah, World War Z. Yes. Those are different decades, have different, all have their own, I guess, feel or, or whatever uh, for space movies. There's different kinds uh, of space. I mean, in, well, I mean, in every decade, there's the same genres. It's just, they always keep, it's just amazing that extraterrestrials have not left the human mind since before Roswell, since the 50s, since the 60s, like extraterrestrials have not left the human mind. And now, 
it's been a staple in the movie industry for almost 100 years. I mean, extraterrestrials coming to Earth. I mean, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers from back in the 50s. I mean, oh, like yeah. you said, War of the Worlds, one of the first, one, one of the first major alien movies for the world. I mean, they had so much back then. Uh, the, the man who fell to earth, the, what's that? Oh, the, the day the earth stood still that they did, they redid it with Keanu Reeves in the 2000s, but it was originally from the fifties. And I actually watched that version in sci-fi class in high school. And it was amazing. It was a really good movie. I mean, it's, Extraterrestrials have been around forever. I mean, there's a reason Star Trek became one of the most popular shows of all time because it featured space. We've always been humans have since the beginning of time. Humans have looked up at the stars and questioned what's out there. So, I mean, the ancient Greeks used to write about it all the time, for God's sake. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I love the way they did Star Trek in the '60s with the USS Enterprise. I thought that cast that crew more perfectly with all the uh, actors in that uh, series. And it's, it's quite remarkable. Like Bill William Shatner is in his early nineties and he's still uh, about and still talks about Star Trek. I think it's fascinating and it's really cool. Star Trek was a tremendous, tremendous show. And the movies also were a big hit in the eighties as well. When they came out after the show, you know, was off, off television for so many years, those uh, movies would, when they reunited the cast were phenomenal as well. Yes, I mean, and it's actually funny because I was watching a show of William Shatner eh, probably about a decade ago now, not a decade ago now, but like seven, eight years ago now, where him, Terry Bradshaw, and a couple other famous actors or celebrities were, they were, they're were, they were all old men, but they're all, they're tra- they were traveling different places in the world. <laughs> and it was just basically like a reality show. And one of the funny things is on the show, like William Shatner set the record straight. He's like, I never actually said, beat me up Scotty. He's like, actors on the show said it during during the show, but he's like, I never actually physically said it. Captain Kirk <laughs> never once said, beat me up Scotty. And so he, for the first time on ever on TV, he actually said in that show, he's like, beat me up Scotty. Like he said it for the first time ever. So <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> that like, that it's it's a myth that he ever said that. Like it, all the other crew members said it when they wanted to come back up to the ship, but Captain Kirk <laughs> never was the one to say it. Well, I love the fact that, what didn't they used to, with the effects, they'd do the white little glitter or whatever, and they'd go away and they come back. I thought that the technology for that was, was phenomenal. And the movie oh. that we're uh, referring to was The Happening in 2008, Mark Wahlberg, with the people who were uh, dying. Oh. The Happening. I haven't seen it. I'll have yeah, to go back I, I, and watch I, that. I haven't seen it yet. It's Trust me, all these movies we mentioned are on different brackets. I have made, I've, the, show I, the podcast I originally came from is called Bracket Bastards. Mm-hmm. I'm still on it to this day. And... So I always liked to do brackets because it's a fun pocket thing to do on a podcast. Yeah. Having to pick between two different movies and whatnot, or two different songs. If you're on my music podcast, whatever. But so far I, I took a hiatus from podcasting back in August and I started making these brackets for my paranormal show, horror movies. Cause I had a horror movie one from Rotten Tomatoes and it was one of my most popular brackets people wanted to do. So I started making horror movie brackets exclusively. It's nine. And, yeah. Any other paranormal topics as well. But I now have, God, 200 plus brackets made up and I will be doing them until I'm old and gray probably at this point. <laughs> but it's, I mean, we just did, we just did a, we just did the first part of the holiday horror bracket because most of these are multiple parts because there's more than 30 something movies in them in the list. So we just did the first part of the holiday horror one for Christmas. Before that, we did the first part of the slasher horror film bracket, which is 25 freaking parts because there's 900 something movies in the bracket. Jeez. So I, trust me, I, if there's any of these movies I haven't seen, I will be watching eventually because they're all on my list at some point. They're all in my brackets at some point. And as soon as we get to that bracket, I will be watching those. But, and I mean, like, we were, like I said, we're doing 80s alien movies. It's a 38 movie list, um, I think from Ranker, if I'm not mistaken. We're doing that one next in a couple of weeks. Been watching movies for it for the last month and a half, and I've seen a lot of '80s alien movies that I a lot of them. A lot of them I did. I wish I never had to see because a lot of them are freaking horrible. <laughs> <laughs> some of these, some of these B and C sci-fi horror movies, but I've also seen a lot of great ones. That I'm happy I finally got to watch, like Cocoon, a classic alien movie from the '80s. I never got a chance to see with Wilford Brimley, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's an amazing alien movie. And it even brings up Atlantis in it, for God's sake. So, 
Interesting. You know, uh, you mentioned the movie. Did you happen to check check out the movie It by Stephen King with the clown Pennywise? One of my fa- one one of my favorite horror movies because I am a that that movie actually got me. I saw that I saw the first part in theaters. Actually, I saw both parts in theaters, but I saw the first part in theaters, and that's what got me. I started reading Stephen King after that. I saw that movie because my dad was a huge Stephen King fan when I was a kid. So, but I just never, I never was a horror fan until I saw Stephen King's in 2017. And I was like, and it actually made me jump in theaters multiple, multiple times. And that's, that's how I knew it was a good horror movie because if it actually make you jump, I got out of fright for a second, like in a theater, then they're doing their job. They're doing what they're getting paid to do. So mm-hmm. I, it got me to Stephen King and I became more of a horror fan than ever because of that movie. So yeah, I, and that's, that is an alien movie in a way. Cause that's what it, that's what it is. It's a creature from our space. So yeah, that first part in the movie there where the uh, boys looking down the, uh, the sewer there and he's down there that I said, don't go, don't go. Uh, that was like, that scene was just terrifying. <laughs> I agree with you. That was a, that was a, I'll have to go back and watch it, but that was a scary as you know, what movie. I, yeah, I believe, I mean, yeah, I mean, poor Georgie, but he was also <laughs> dumb enough to try to reach for that sailboat. You should have left your, you should have left your sailboat d- down there and just went home. <laughs> but I mean, it's, I mean, it's the idea of an extraterrestrial that could change shape. And it's weird because we've heard real stories about encounters where extraterrestrials do that. And I mean, one of my favorite podcasts that got me into the paranormal, that re-invoked my paranormal love in the mid 2010s is monsters among us podcasts but by Derek hayes it's all this listeners or people with paranormal experiences calling in and you hear it from their own voices their stories Mm -hmm. i mean most of them are ghost spirit stories of course but there's bigfoot stories thrown in there some really amazing bigfoot stories thrown in there there's cryptid stories thrown in there and there are a lot of alien ufo experiences and one was a alien that transformed into um, a, a chimpanzee with overalls like Duncan from Duncan checks in the nineties. And wow. another one was actually an alien that, or they, what they believe was an alien that came into the room at night when they were a kid dressed as a T-Rex with like a doctor's coat on, which these, these, I mean, yes, these all sound ridiculous and like they could have been fever dreams, but at the end of the day, why, wouldn't extraterrestrials with all the technology they have supposedly be changing into something that's more comforting to the person they're trying to approach rather than just coming in their own form and scaring the living bejesus out of the person and have them run out of bed or run out of wherever they are. Hmm. And you so, said, you said I mean, that, to, me, to me, it makes sense. Yeah. And you said so, uh, it, uh, you said it was an extraterrestrial I T E T. I didn't, I didn't, I just got that now, but uh, yeah, that's uh well, I'm. That's not why Stephen King did. I don't think. I think it's just the point that yeah. they only called it it for the for most of the book because which if you if you haven't read the book, the book it is so much more detailed and so much better than the movies. Any of the movies they've ever done of it. Mm. The book is it's it's long because it's Stephen King, but the book. I mean, it's amazing. It's just such an amazing the detail he goes into in the book and he goes, Jeremy, talk about your podcast again. Uh, how often do you uh, drop episodes? Um, I've listened to it, but uh, it's your, po- well, how often do you uh, drop episodes and uh, uh, you have over 200. So uh, talk about that if you would, please. I mean, paranormal normal. It's been going on. My two year anniversary is coming up pretty soon. I drop regular episodes every Saturday and on Wednesday every week, there's always a bonus episode, whether it's, um, whether it's episodes of Global Strangers, my other podcast, that's a paranormal discussion podcast more than the interview format I do. Or I drop um, brackets I've done with people, whether our big group brackets or one-on-one brackets with people. Special episodes, bonus episodes always drop on Wednesdays. So Wednesdays and Saturdays, Paranormal Normal. Uh, Maniacal Music Musings, my second podcast I started with my good co-host, Chansey, one of my best friends. Um, we drop episodes we drop regular episodes every Friday and we drop, if there's bonus episodes to be dropped, they drop on Tuesdays. Wow. You're, just to you're keep busy. the fun going. Oh, tell me about it. And <laughs> of course the pocket, the podcast I mentioned earlier, bracket bastards um, that drops every Sunday. We record live every Sunday now. So uh, Sunday at three Eastern two central, you could find us 
live on either Racket Bastards YouTube channel or if you follow any of my ch- channels on Facebook or whatever, you can find us there as well. Okay. And I recently I recently just joined another show, The Asylum with Harley. I recently got invited to be a co-host on that show, so we're we're usually live every Sunday at eight o'clock Eastern. And just search the sign with Harley. We're live on there. Uh, we are skipping this week though because Super Bowl, but we pre-recorded for that. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely, but absolutely. Than, that's all the shows you can find me on. Yeah, uh, Paranormal, the new normal. I, I get it on Apple. You can just follow the show. I follow the show right now. So uh, I want to thank you, uh, Jeremy, for coming on my podcast. I hope you would come back on maybe towards uh, Halloween. We can talk about. Uh, more in depth about the Salem witch trials and things of more hauntings uh, later this year, maybe right before uh, October. You are a busy person, but uh, I want to thank you for coming on my podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, and uh, thanks again. Mr. Robin, anytime. Anytime I'll be back on, I'm always glad to come back on and talk paranormal.